There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show.com, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> Well, I'd like to know if I was married to a whore piece of shit. <laughs> you could just look at her license. My her special stripe. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. <laughs> it's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. This is why I drink. We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are, and you know we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice, and they go from there, and then call us back later. But the key is, is that they don't know all their rights, or they're not told all the rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding, uh, so they can help themselves and their families as best they can. And the number is is eight hundred seven seven zero seven zero zero eight. Or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean, Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured, Brad, Sean, Bryant. everybody to another episode of the best of the tom bernard podcast brought to you as always by bradshaw and bryant kicking off the show this week we had a comedian double up chris de stefano and sergio chicon next on the best of Here it is, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. So, yeah, I walk in the middle of something. You guys are all fired up, which is yeah. a good thing. I, uh, you know what? What shocks me, and when you hear about people who actually have, have read up on things and have knowledge of what the world's really all about, how do you get to the point 
where you go, well, that Holocaust thing never happened. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> people are out of their minds. How you know? do you get that? Yeah, yeah. People, yeah well, I that never happened. Well, but that's yeah. just like ignorance. That's like, yeah. you know, that that's like the definition of it, where you're like, come on, guy. Like, but isn't that the order of the uh, the day recently? I mean, i, I got to be honest with you. I do think that human beings are regressing rather than progressing because of sure. digital. Digital sure. is destroying humanity. Of course, mm-hmm. yeah, it is because it it's like is. even even like there's a except con- for this podcast. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> but even like people like go run with things, right? Like there, it's just recent news. Like a couple of days ago, like whatever is reporting that Julia Roberts was offered Harriet Tubman. It's yeah. like there's no way that's true, and it happened that way. There's absolutely no way that a studio executive ever would do that in 2019. But. Whatever they were able to mix and match with the story, they're like, okay, now run with it. Now, of course, it's more BS, Mm -hmm. clickbait, blah, 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 divide, divide, divide. I mean, there's so many people in this country, they need division because Mm -hmm. if they don't have division, they don't have a job. So it's like, you got it. Yeah. Why you want what, what he said to the, the no. director? The director said that's not going to fly. I mean, she can't play Harriet Tubman. He goes, that was a long time ago. Nobody's going to know the difference. <laughs> he actually was supposedly said that. Well, I think this happened actually back in 1994. Yeah, it was like 20 years ago. Because like yeah. they've been trying to get this movie going for like 25 right. years. Yeah, they have. Yeah, and it's true. I could see that happening back in 1994. You know, you guys, you're too young to know this, but a great bit that Chappelle could have done. Is the Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet Tubman? Yeah. <laughs> Ozzy and Harriet was a TV show back in the fifties and sixties. It was yeah. like Ricky, you know, Ricky Nelson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the rest. But that was Ozzy and Harriet was the name of the sure. show. So you get sure. Ozzy and Harriet Tubman. <laughs> well, he's some dumbass in there. I go, well, what, what are you doing today? Well, I got a railroad deal. I got to do. I got, yeah, but I'll be back like seven yeah. o'clock. I'll be back home at eight. So funny. Keep dinner warm. Phenomenal. Yeah, keep dinner. <laughs> hey, Harriet. <laughs> yeah, you know. What now, are you going to do, you know? Do you think, though, because as I go forward in life, what shocks me, and I'd like to hear everybody at the table comment on this, actually, how did you get it in your head at such a young age that it's okay to destroy someone's life because they don't believe what you believe? What is wrong with you? Well, I think, I think like you said, because of social media, I think there have always been people always. like that, well, but they didn't, never had a place to, like, Galvanize like yeah. some idiot has some dumb idea in Iowa. It just sticks to your town in Iowa. But yeah. now you tweet yeah. it out, it gets retweeted, and then and now it's like this common idea that's silly and wrong catches like wildfire, right. and that's it. So then you have to start. You know, I mean, people literally live their lives like if they tweet something out and it gets fifty retweets, they think the statement was profound. Oh yeah, and they it's do. like you, you yeah. have to understand like what you're saying could be so stupid. It's not even funny, but you got 50 retweets and 50 likes, so now you think you have more power as a human being in the real world. It's, right. it's, it's like a, a Black Mirror episode. Makes no sense to me, because I, I, the, re- the reason I know it is there are people on Twitter who think I'm a prick. Sure. Oh, how'd they you, get you there? brought in chocolate well, cakes and muffins <laughs> and saying a, that, you, you know? Corn muffins. Corn muffins. So what? You like the Nazis. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Well, you did tell quite a few people to go laugh themselves Well, I did over the years. That's true. I've been on Twitter in seven years. Smart. And, and my last couple of weeks was pretty much, fuck you. Good. <laughs> yeah. Go out guns blazing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I go, 2000 Southeast Elm Street. I'll be outside at 1015. You don't like it? Come on by. Yeah. We'll see how it works out for you. That's it. Yeah. See, I, I should have grown up in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice yeah, Italian yeah. boy in yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah, this guy, Sergio's from the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. Where? where? Uh, well, I grew up in uh, on Grand and Essex. Oh, yeah, okay. And uh, 
Now I live on like Fish Street. So that's like what a lot of people call Alphabet City. Yeah. Sure, you should beat up drug dealers with his fists. 20th Street and 2nd Avenue, <laughs> baby. Lived yeah. there for a long time. It was wonderful. Yeah. yeah it's changed a lot now. But, you know. uh, I, uh, so you, what's your ethnicity? I'm Puerto Rican. Or I'm pissed off at you because all the Puerto Rican kids in New York kicked the shit out of me playing stickball. <laughs> <laughs> it really made me mad, Sergio. That's probably my uncles. They were so much better at it than I was. Stick- it was not fair. <laughs> Nobody plays stickball anymore. You don't? There was this thing on HBO. I just watched it. It was called Bronx USA. It was. Um, don't they really? That's G- George I've Shapiro. I've never seen someone play stickball. No, oh, they, they had to the teach greatest. the kids in the Bronx where to play, how to play stickball, the rules of the game, and then the kids loved it. Even I never played stickball. You never did. No, it wasn't a thing. My it's father not easy, did. Man, it wasn't a thing for me. That you know? ball breaks. So, you ever play stickball? Yeah, I did play uh, the- stickball right after playing in the fire hydrant. So, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, you open can. the fire hydrant? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. There you go. Sergio opened a fire hydrant. Yeah. It was him. <laughs> God, I used to love right it. after that. Yeah. yeah exactly. Oh, God. It was Wet so much feet. fun. The ball, honestly, God, really good pitchers in stickball. Sure. That ball breaks so much you can't even think about hitting it, but they can do it. They can do it. It's yeah. amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like Vladimir Guerrero, they said you used to hit like, you know, tree tree branches and hit pebbles and it's like you're hitting pebbles in the Dominican Republic you can hit a baseball yeah mm-hmm. like it's oh, yeah. just right. Not, so now at that point it's like having a Eddie Munster bat yeah and a <laughs> it's like fake it's true. yeah, yeah you're like, like, oh. huge yeah, training for man, that. Man. it would look huge super accurate yeah. I don't know. That's a that's a wonderful thing, though, man. It is that the time we spent living in New York was we really enjoyed it a lot. I I, I like every. I'm I'm not a big L A fan. I just you yeah. know it's a different like a, deal. There's to a me. loneliness to L A. Like yeah. everybody's in yeah. their car yep. and it's always on fire. It's like <laughs> it's a little bit like it's a little bit it's like I, sometimes I feel like I don't even know. Like it's like a way like the universe saying like you guys are we're not we don't want people living here. Right? Like, why did you right. move everything here? It's like we're setting it on fire every year. Minnesotans feel that way a lot. Though. Yeah. Everything freezes over. You know, have you yeah. ever felt minus 20? Most people haven't. <laughs> have not, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. It uh, makes you wonder why this place even exists sometimes. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. negative. But it is <laughs> nice the birthplace of both my children, I'll have you know. Yeah. You and your sister. Mm-hmm. So, you know. <laughs> but I also spent the, some, or the winter in Florida many years, and I kind of got nice. used to that. You know what's really funny about that? Because I grew up in the inner city. Most Minnesotans don't know what to do with me because really? I'm not like other Minnesotans. I just right. don't, because they they don't know anything about the you know they love to pontificate on how things really go for people of color and sure. people in the inner city. They have no clue what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, they yeah. have no idea what real racism is. No, no, no. Uh, they have no idea what ethnicity is all about and being proud of who you are and all the rest of it. Yeah, they, it's it's a whole different world. So they think that I'm kind of like a. Like I said, a prick. Well, the thing is, that's why, like, in, you know, in New York, it's like, of course, there's racism there. It's racism everywhere. But it's like, yeah. But it's like, it's really hard to be a racist because, like, whatever group you hate, you will see them on the train <laughs> in five minutes. You're going to see that group minutes, immediately. So you better be prepared. I like it. And, but it's like, you know, but I get, like, that's not that whole... I read this book, Sapiens. You guys ever read Sapiens? No. Good book. It's just about this. Again, there's no opinion at all with this book, Sapiens. This is just facts of human evolution. And it's like this, like it's tribalism. There's mm-hmm. racism and sexism and every ism. But the biggest one is tribalism. And it's like you it is. fundamentally, and it's not, he's not, it was like, I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. Throughout the entire animal kingdom, everywhere, Tribalism exists. So why would it not exist with human beings? Yeah. Why would whatever it is, because you're not wise, a part of my tribe. We're better than the rest of the animals. But. Sure. 
That's that, right. That's what they say. That's what they say, and there's truth to that. I mean, obviously, we have a we social construct, so it's like, but no, but I'm saying, but like, act better. I would know not to, just because somebody doesn't look like me or act like me, yeah. I would know not to treat them unfairly, but... What this man is saying is like deep in your DNA, in your chemistry, if mm-hmm. you are an animal, it's like everything else. It wants you to be like, you're not for me. Yeah. So he's like, he's like, the, the reason why this racism comes up is because like people don't want to do the work on themselves. They don't want to do, they don't want to say well, this yeah. is wrong, fundamentally wrong, because it's, he's like basically it's in your hardwiring already to be that way. This yeah. is not a thing that like comes out of thin air. Well, yeah, I mean, evolutionarily, the mammal brain grew around, you know, the reptilian brain. And then the ape brain grew around the mammal brain. Sure. So those brains are still there. Yeah. Like running all the uh, low-level stuff. And yeah. they're still like, you know, there's neurons going through circuitry that's basically the exact same thing as, you know, what a dog or a sure. gecko experiences. And it's like human beings. It's like, of course, like, how could how could humans do that to each other? It's like, we are by far the most vicious animal that ever existed. Oh, we've killed 99% far. of the things that we've ever lived with. By so, like, far. what... what uh, that's why sometimes when I read these books, I'm like, "What do people get here? Yeah. The facts are right here." Yeah, no, of course it's going to happen. Right. What do you? I'm I I just deal with it. I'm like, yeah. What are you going to do? You know, just sit in my bathtub. <laughs> There's an understanding. <laughs> it's nice and safe. Yeah, yeah. You can do the research on them. Well, you probably already have done the research on this, but seventy percent of people on Earth cannot think beyond the level of a twelve-year-old. I believe that. It's just a fact. Yeah, I believe it. So they cannot think the way you sure. and I do. Yeah, they can't. It's not, it's not possible. Yeah. Which is quite disturbing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know. It's like, you know, we want to save the world. It's like, I do too. But it's like there's 9 billion people on this planet. Mm-hmm. Like, you think everybody's going to have a good day all mm-hmm. the time? I hope it, they're not 9 billion. It ticked up about a billion and a half. Is it eight, there. It's getting there. What is it? Is it, is it 8 billion? Half, I think it's about that, yeah. yeah it's about what? 8 billion now. Let's see. Well, I've been, I haven't been wearing a condom, so. Seven and a half. Yeah, you we were just telling me about that earlier. billion guy. But it's going <laughs> to be. <laughs> I got yeah, everybody pregnant. Ten years ago, it was six and a half, so. Okay. Ten yeah. years ago, it was six. And so, what, so it's not. It's what seven, eight billion. Yeah, seven, seven and, and a half. half so, in yeah. probably another fifteen years, it'll be nine. All right, so I'll be right in fifteen years. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You know not what's wrong. A, you know what amazes me about all this is you look at you know, the politicians are making a lot of money right now by telling us that black people and white people can't possibly get along. Sure. They love to tell us that because they make a lot of money doing sure. that. If they want to look back in history, you've done your reading. Mm-hmm. The skin color has never been the issue. It's no. been the tribe. It's always been the issue. The most always. amount in history, and again, saying this fact doesn't negate anything that happened in our history. Like, preface mm-hmm. it with that. But it's like when you read the books and do the research, which we do or, or try to attempt to do on in the podcast, the history hyenas that I have with my friend Giannis Papas, it's like the most slavery. The most deaths throughout the, it's been the own people enslaving the own people, the own people no killing the own it. people. Yep. By far, not even close. Again, yep. doesn't negate the atrocities that especially happened in our country, but it's like that is factual too. Mm-hmm. So it's like whatever story you want to go with, you can go with. But if the facts are, people kill their own more than others kill their no own. No doubt about it. For sure. It's oh, just not, it, that's not debatable. That's just you look, yeah. at, but the history won't tell you that because division is a—it's a thing that makes money for people. Makes here. a lot of money, man. Yeah, so, keeping us apart makes a ton of money for yeah, people. Yeah, and it also causes, like you know, like you said, the seventy percent of people that can't think past a twelve-year-old. It's like they're going to think, oh, I'm not supposed to like this person because they look or act like this. Because it's like, <laughs> exactly. yeah, because the government's telling you that, but it's like that's actually not never the truth. You know, it's like right. it's so stupid to think that way. But what can you do? That's what I'm at now. I'm like, what do you want me to do? I don't yeah. freaking know. It's like, what do you want me to do? I'm you sorry. I use a, I use a plastic straw. Yeah, kill me. What do you want me to do? 
I don't know. As an Italian, have you seen now that the Italians are releasing these straws that are made out of pasta? Really? And they don't add any flavor. That sounds true. like a joke. No, 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 no. You can look it up. <laughs> They're making lo- like pasta, like long tubes yeah. of pasta. They don't carry any flavor into the fluid, whether it's soda or whatever. Uh, and they break down within minutes after being used because they get wet and they start yeah. to break down. So you yeah. just re- you throw them away. Oh, and yeah. I'm looking at them right now. Okay. Oh, yeah. There's called, no such thing. They're called hay straws. Hay straws, okay. Yeah, or and then they have ones that are eco-friendly, biodegradable. They Jumbo, do. They nine and a do. half inch pasta straws. So it's the same as your penis. Case. Thank you That's very much. Yeah. <laughs> I have a you know. nine and a half. I've, yeah. Noodle dick. major <laughs> You can noodle get it for 23 dick. bucks. <laughs> What? $23. Not for a piece. straw? For 600 of them. Well, 600. Well, horrible. 600 that's a lot of them. Bad. And but honestly, still. actually, you could just buy those straws and make pasta with them, and it's probably cheaper than buying spaghetti. So. <laughs> it probably <laughs> is at this point. Yeah. You know, one thing is, what I really love, we only got about a minute and a half left in this segment, but one of the things that I loved growing up, I grew up in the inner city. In Minneapolis? Mix, Minneapolis. Okay. Yeah, North Minneapolis. It was a mixed race neighborhood. There were black people, Mexicans, Native Americans, white people. The only people that weren't there were Asians because there were not a lot of Asians living in Minnesota sure. at that time. Anyway. Because yeah. yeah, the Chinese wasn't giving them money to buy a property. Yeah, see? Subsidizing. <laughs> but what I noticed is nobody gave a rat's ass when I was a kid. Sure. If you were black, Puerto Rican, you were whatever. you didn't matter. Now, one thing I will tell you, Sergio, this is your fault, too. My brother-in-law, Pat O'Brien, was half Irish and half Puerto Rican. You want to talk about a guy you didn't want to piss off. <laughs> it was my brother, Pat O'Brien. The combo of Puerto Rican and Irish was, I don't know what the hell happened. And that's a common, uh, that's common in New York. In New York, A lot yeah. of Puerto Rican and Irish, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But lovely people. Deadina, his mother, was born, Deadina Purcell, she was born in Puerto Rico and ended up moving up here. Sweetest person on the face of the earth. Also, from nature, again, mentioned this book, Sapiens, I keep quoting it, but it was fascinating to me. The healthiest human beings are the ones that are further have the furthest away races. So, the more you have, yeah. you know, Irish having sex with the Irish or whatever, it's close. It's not inbreeding at all, but it's closer. They have more health problems usually than someone who is, you know, half Filipino, really? half really? freaking whatever, really? Australian or something. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's like nature wants you to have to procreate further away. Humans, but further away from your actual race. So that's what you're. That's why you're doing what you're doing. My daughter's half Puerto Rican. I did it because I wanted her to be healthy, and I wanted. Yeah, I just uh, you need a career. You can't be having all white babies. That's not what Hollywood wants right now. They're like, no, we need less white people. We don't want any more whites. I know. Do you believe that horse shit that they're pulling? Oh, he's a white man. He's oh, so he's automatically evil. Of course. How racist is that? But I guess because of the. all the worst problems have been whites, you know, in our country especially. So I get, I get that, <laughs> but it's also like, true. no, I know, but I'm saying I get why people say that, but I'm also like, shut know. up, you know. <laughs> as long as you say shut up, we're okay. Shut up. Best of the Tom Bernard podcast. What's the matter, you? Hey, got no respect. What do you think you do? Why you look so sad? It's not so bad. It's a nicer place. I'll shut up in your face. That's my mama. Big accordion solo. That was Chris Stefano and Sergio Chicone on the best of. Coming up next, we had former beauty pageant contestant and successful winner, Miss America, Betty Maxwell, on her new book. Next. I never change a thing. 
Always love to dance and to sing I think about the mama She said What's the matter you nice theme song for Betty Maxwell. Hi, Betty, are you with us? Hi, yes, I'm here. Hi. Uh, apparently you wrote a book called Miss Unlikely, From Farm Girl to Miss America. So we're speaking to a former Miss America. That is true. I did, and here I am. <laughs> wow. Well, I've, I don't think I've ever spoken to a Miss America before. I'm impressed. Well, yay. I'm so glad to be your first. So you, you grew up in a double-wide trailer on a farm in Georgia, and you won the 2016 Miss America pageant. Now, how did you do that? Well, it's a long story. <laughs> That's why I had to write a book about exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> Um, But, yeah, I I grew up on a farm out in rural middle Georgia, and um, I didn't start competing in pageants, actually, until I was about 19 years old um, and a freshman in college. So the pageant part of my life didn't start till much later than most pageant girls. It's not I don't have a typical pageant girl story whatsoever. Um, I I loved my life out on the farm. Um, I didn't have a typical childhood either. You know, I didn't grow up in the suburbs. Um, Whenever my friends came out to our house, they were like, wow like you know we live out in the middle of nowhere on like 675 acres so it was always really cool i I loved living out on the farm yeah i'm I'm sure there was a big culture shock going from growing up on a large farm to becoming a pageant contestant right absolutely and i mean my parents never you know kept me from the city we always my parents had their own physical therapy practice um in the nearby town of Warner Robins but um and we did lots and lots of traveling but I I loved and appreciated my life out on the farm and that's what I of course talk about a lot in my book is how that really structured my entire life and and made me into the the person that I am today and I think it is what made me a a much different and more fresh Miss America because I I didn't grow up as a pageant girl I I was different and I had a fresh perspective um, and something new to bring to the table and hopefully my goal was to be a more relatable Miss America, and um, that was that was my mantra throughout my entire year. Okay, so I'm not really all that familiar with the pageant world, but um, reading your bio here, it says Betty began her year of service. So that's as Miss America. Yes. So the job of Miss America it is first and foremost a job. Um, I worked. Pretty much, I think I worked about 350 days out of the entire year, 365. Um, I went home just a handful of times. I lived in hotel rooms the entire year um, out of two suitcases. Um, I traveled about 20,000 miles per month. Um, I was all over the country and abroad. I got to do a USO tour to eight different countries where I got to perform. I'm a singer and an actress, so I got to sing and perform for our troops, our men and women deployed, which was absolutely incredible and um, I was the National Goodwill Ambassador for the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals as Miss America so it it really is a year of service um, and it is a job Um, you're constantly on you do I did my own hair and makeup for the whole year it's not like this glamorous job where someone is pampering you the whole year I mean I had to get up early every morning do my hair do my face Ah, my crown shattering my illusions you're shattering my (laughs) illusions I thought for sure you'd have a you know like a movie star trailer and all kinds of people costumes oh no No? I I can't wait for you to read my book now (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like a lot of work 
It sounds like a ton of work. So what what are the upsides? Uh, I mean, obviously there's upside because you got to do this year of service and travel all over the place and meet amazing people and do such a wonderful job for the Children's Miracle Network. Um, what what other upsides are there to being crowned Miss America? Well, um, so the winner of Miss America receives a $50,000 scholarship. So that it is a scholarship organization. So the women competing are, you know, in it to further their education. But also the, being Miss America, it's an almost 100-year-old pageant. And the job of Miss America is to be a role model, is to advocate, is to do service throughout her year. She's a motivational speaker, performer. Uh, she's the whole package. That's what makes her Miss America. Mm-hmm. So there are so many upsides and, you know, positives to being Miss America. I mean, just getting to walk around with that crown on and, you know, be that, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's like when you walk into a child's hospital room working for Children's Miracle Network, and the kids just look up at you in awe because you've got that crown on your head and, mm. and you're Miss America. I mean, it just, it, it's, a, it's a responsibility, but it's also such a gift to be able to wear that crown and have that title for a year because you bring so much joy into people's lives. You touch so many people and inspire so many people. And um, that honestly is the biggest gift of, of being Miss America for sure is, is um, the opportunities to inspire and touch different people's lives. So I see also on your bio um, that you offer wisdom on, in, in your book, I'm assuming, on school, boys, self-esteem, choices, disappointments, insecurities, mentors, cyber bullies, and more. It, that must be one of the downsides of being Miss America is the, is the cyber world, I'm guessing. That's definitely one of the biggest downsides. and I. But I think, I mean, that doesn't just come with being Miss America. It, it comes with any sort of celebrity status job. Right. But in the pageant community, obviously, the trolls can be a lot worse. Um, the pageant community, you know, I, the stereotype really doesn't hold up when you're talking about pageant girls. You know, they're, they're not catty. They're not airheaded. They're the most brilliant women I've ever met, to be honest. And their hearts are just all about service and giving back. But the pageant community, the people who love pageantry and who, you know, make it their lives to, to pay attention to these pageants and these girls and to coach them and train them. And, and they're so invested. And, you know, the, mo- the angry moms and the, the haters, the people who are mad that you won, those are the people who, who hold up that stereotype of the meanness and the cattiness and the trying to tear you down throughout your entire year. I mean, that was very difficult and definitely threw me into the depths of depression a lot during my year because being Miss America it I think any former Miss America will tell you that it is the loneliest job um it is just you and your tour manager the entire year you don't get to go home you don't get to see your family you don't get to see your friends god forbid you should have a boyfriend because they want to keep you as far away from him as possible um so it is very very isolated and you just go back to your hotel room in a different city every single night by yourself eating room service food. So it is very easy to get depressed doing this job. You're so lonely, so isolated, and every day expected to be perfect. And that is very hard. And, and that was one of the most difficult things to get through during my year. Sure. You have to, you have to put a smile on no matter how you're feeling. Absolutely. And be on your A game constantly. I mean, I've been I've been a victim of some cyberbullying, and it's I mean on much tinier, teensy weensy scale compared to you, and it's horrible. Well, it's, it's yeah, absolutely and it, and it doesn't matter. Horrible, even if you know that these people it, exactly. are coming from a they're either from a crazy place or from maybe a 
person that wanted another person to win, so they're being mean exactly. to you. So, I mean, even if you know what their motives are, it still is a terrible feeling to have people saying horrible things about you on social media. Right. And the other thing is, they come to your page to say mean things. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, when you're Miss America, the, the, the pageant community has these anonymous online chat boards where oh. they all go to discuss Miss America, local pageants, state pageants, and they just they can talk anonymously. And so uh. obviously they say the most horrid things. And all these young girls, these young pageant girls who are just trying to, you know, literally become better versions of themselves, help their community and be role models. You know, they're just these these girls competing in the Miss America system, they're the best type of young women and they're just they're incredible really. And the fact that they're out there trying to do so much good and be so good and and have these people that are probably much older than them sitting there behind a screen tearing them down. I mean, it's just awful. It is. I wish people would just grow up and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, you just it's you know, terrible. just grow up and. But I mean, and I I on. always talk about you know there will always be bad people out there, and there, there's just nothing you can do about it. So the best thing to do is to worry about yourself and not let it get to you. You know, there there will always be bad people in this world, and that's something I talk about in my book at length. And and you know how I did move past the cyberbullying and how I did you know get out of any sort of depression I was dealing with, and most of that was through my faith, but support of my family and my friends and just having self-confidence in myself to know that the things that people are saying aren't true. They don't know right. me. They don't know my heart and my soul. I know myself. Right. And you just have to really keep that in mind. And of course, I, I talk about that in depth in my book. That's that's a really good message. And that's really good for girls to hear because I, I understand that girls are being, you know, can be bullied on Facebook and I guess girls today in high school aren't really on Facebook anymore. They're no, on Facebook Snapchat or something. Instagram. 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 <laughs> They're all on Instagram. Instagram, yeah. Is it, is it harder to bully somebody on Instagram, Alex? Oh, no. No, it's, you, yeah, you know, you it's, it's easy. write a comment and say oh, how terrible okay. they are, and oh. it's just a grand old time for them, I guess. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Well, I guess yeah. there's always going to be mean girls, but yeah, I, I mean, suicide is up with girls just because they're being bullied on social media. So your message is important and very timely, I think. Absolutely, I agree. In this day of technology and social media, the conversation about cyberbullying needs to be talked about. And I and I think that, that that's the whole point of my book is, is to share my experiences, to share to be very, very vulnerable and sharing my successes and my failures, my struggles in life from basically birth to present day and hoping that that, that, that through that vulnerability that I'll be able to reach these young people and be able to make them feel more confident in themselves to see that a, a former Miss America went through all of the same things that the kids deal with on a daily basis. It just, it never gets talked about because it is so every day. And so it was really important to me to talk about that in my book, the everyday problems that kids deal with. Yeah, I think that's an important message to keep out there because I know a few years ago everybody was talking about cyberbullying. It was a big topic. Lots of people were um, writing books and and <laughs> many motivational speakers were going around in schools and talking about it. And then it kind of just fizzled out. And it's like that it, it hasn't stopped. The cyberbullying hasn't stopped. So Oh no, and it, it will never stop. Yeah, it's important. I think I think instead of focusing on trying to stop the bullies, we need to start focusing more on trying to help the victims and trying to make them stronger so that, you know, the bullies don't have anyone to pick on and and when they do, it doesn't hurt them as much, you know, because 
we're, we're working on making them stronger. Like, there's no way we can stop the bullies. They, they're always going to be there, sadly. Well, I see why you're a motivational speaker. You've got me fired up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, so you're a singer. What's your, what's your genre? What do you sing? Um, I'm sorry. Did you say about singing? Yeah. What kind of singing do you do? Is it gospel? So, um, pop? I actually... I sing all genres. Um, I have a country music album that's available on iTunes and Spotify, but I, I love singing Broadway, um, Broadway music. I love pop music, and I actually sing. I'm a classically trained opera singer as well, so I sang wow. opera at the Miss America pageant, and I actually won the talent award at Miss America, so that was really cool. And um, my career goals have always been to be a singer and an actress. And um, so right after my year as Miss America, I released my country music album. And um, now I'm living in I moved to Nashville to do that. And now I'm living in Atlanta where I'm signed with an acting agency and modeling agency here. So I'm working on that as well, along with releasing my book and, um, of course, being a motivational speaker. And I'm doing some pageant consult- consulting now to help girls. And um, I'm also a, a makeup artist. <laughs> wow, you're a busy person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stay pretty busy. How how did you get classical opera training on a farm in Georgia? So um, <laughs> I've, I've been singing since the age of three, and when my parents realized that I had such a voice, um, such a big voice, they decided that they wanted to put me in voice lessons, but they didn't want to do it too soon. They wanted to wait till I was a little bit older. So when I was 14, I was in eighth grade, and my parents um, decided to let me audition for this voice teacher at a local college, um, Wesleyan College in Macon, Georgia. And I auditioned as a 14-year-old, and the head of their vocal department took me on as um, a student. And so I started taking classical voice lessons from age 14 through high school. And then, of course, I was a vocal performance major in college, so through college as well. Betty Maxwell, no slouch. That's what you should put on some (laughs) (laughs) T-shirts. I'm just passionate about a lot of things. You really are. (laughs) It's amazing. You have hair hair and makeup tutorials. Is that pageant-driven? Um, you know what? I just during my years Miss America because I had to do my own hair and makeup every day, and I was constantly just by myself. Um, I was always watching those videos, those makeup tutorials on Instagram, like mm-hmm. all the time. Like those were my favorite things to watch. I could just watch them all day, like on airplanes at the airport. And um, so I, I really started getting into makeup. And so after my year was over, I started creating tutorials of my own. So I'm, I'm self-taught with my hair and makeup, but. Um, I've just gotten better and better over the years, and I just, I've always loved it. makeup. It's just fun. I just enjoy doing it, so I decided to kind of do that on the side as well. Um, but I don't just do pageant girls. I actually really love doing weddings um, because weddings are super fun and happy, and I, I had so much fun at my wedding, so <laughs> I, I love doing brides and bridesmaids um, wedding makeup. So people can find your um, tutorials on your Instagram? Yes, they're on my Instagram, and then there's some on my YouTube channel as well. And your YouTube channel. Okay, so we need to buy your book, learn how to do hair and makeup on your Instagram, <laughs> uh, book you for motivational speaking, and then um, <laughs> and then what else? Just anything. What else, just what call else can me you if do? You need for anything? Us? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm just. I'm phone call away. Okay. It was great talking to you, Betty. Um, her book is Miss Unlikely from Farm Girl to Miss America. You can get it on Amazon and most likely bookstores. Yes, yes. It's in Barnes & Noble and some other Christian bookstores. But the most 
I think the best place to get it is Amazon because um, I, I know it has been sold out a couple Barnes and Nobles, which I am not mad about. Amazing! Well, <laughs> so congratulations. Check out Amazon. Yes, congratulations and good good luck on the book. It sounds really great. You've been a joy thank to talk to. Thank you so much. Thank y'all for having me. All right, thank you. Best of the Tom Bernard podcast. Betty Maxwell on the best of. Coming up next, closing out the show. We're opening up the old vaults. We're going all the way back to the very first Crash and Burn, episode number 169, with Emily Galati, Tim Harmston, Mike Lucas, and Tim Slagle. Next on the best of. We are loaded today. Uh, okay, so Acme is doing something special this week, and we're going to talk about that. Who wants to begin? That's what we're going we to introduce one. Yeah. Are you the head shot? Pardon? Are you the big shot? You're yeah. Oh, it's, it's, kind of my, uh, it's kind of my baby. So. Excellent. It's, Let's uh, talk about your baby. Okay. Uh, uh, it's it's called Crash and Burn, mm-hmm. and it's something it's something we start we tried doing it at Acme about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago okay. to the date. Uh where it's uh, as comics, we don't really get to try out new material. We're we're always uh, we're always worried about getting invited back. So what we do is uh, uh, we do well, the same. We'll see act. how that works out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we just do the same act over and over and over again. We never really. It's really hard to break in. Uh, uh, Mike actually had a had a great example of what it's how you have to do it. Yeah, normally it's a it's a. Well, I I called it a turd sandwich, and uh, nice. what are talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. why. <laughs> you looked at me like yeah. not that idea. <laughs> no, it's a podcast. It's but it's a. Uh, uh, it whatever you want to say. Well, well is it really uh, a shit sandwich or is it a turd <laughs> sandwich? <laughs> uh, there you go. Thanks. Well, I, we're in Minnesota, so it's like a turd hot dish. All right. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. isn't that the truth? <laughs> uh, no, but but uh, you, you, the only way to sneak in a, a new material is is like it's you know the, the turds in the middle, and you got your bread as your act that you right. normally work on, and uh, like Tim says. If, if something sounds like we've uh, said it for the first time, we've said it a thousand times, and so you put one of those in the beginning, and then you you, you, you slop your turd in the middle there, and then if it if it works, you eat the sandwich. If not, you add the other t- slice of bread, which is your your uh, secondary good good bit. <laughs> Give me a favor, Tim. Tell me that crash and burn swimwear is not yours. No, no, no we are not crash and burn swimwear. <laughs> <laughs> we actually wear speedos uh, in the show. It's uh, it's, it's, it's about, like the first row is just awful. <laughs> I, I'm yeah, speedos, speedos are like living with your parents. They get more disturbing the further you get away from 30. Yeah. <laughs> it can be very, very disturbing. Very, very disturbing. No, so I just, you know, like to do uh, talk about... The, I like to sound knowledgeable, even though I'm not, about most bullshit. You know, I just... I, you know how it is. So, when you Google something, I find it fascinating now. So I just Googled crash and burn, and you guys came up first. But the second thing that came up was swimwear. It's like, really? <laughs> well, swimwear, we're, we're really? in talks. We, for beat, a we beat swimwear, guys. We beat swimwear. Now she's done. In April, and there's snow on the ground. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and by the way, it, um, I've never, I haven't done this yet. I probably will during the during the podcast that I Google each one of your names. 
because the things that appear beneath the search are pretty hilarious oh, yeah. for certain people. Yeah. I mean, not not for everybody. I avoid those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, Tim, I mean, you know, it's you, an ego thing. I mean, you've been Tim Armstrong in swimwear. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. I, I literally, it's uh, Tom Bernard. Yeah, Tom Bernard KQRS. Tom Bernard asshole. <laughs> I mean, just, that's the way it goes. Tom Bernard reviews. <laughs> yeah, well, at least it comes in there. Yeah, because Jesse Ventura is Jesse Ventura is an idiot, stupid, a jerk. I mean, the, there's a whole list of people who just hate him. Yeah, and uh, ex governor and then, yeah, ex-go- uh, wrestler. No, ex governor and wrestler never come up. It's all, <laughs> never come I honestly got. I got to show you this, Mike. I have to show you this. So talk amongst yourself while I'm bringing this up sure. because, <laughs> because I'm going to have Mike read the list after I bring it up after googling. Jesse Jesse Ventura's name because it's hilarious. Okay, so so, so anyway, so back, back to what Crash and Burn is is we've assembled four headliners and, and all of us are doing material for the very first time. This is uh, 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 we stuff. The, the one rule is it has to be something that you've never done on stage before, and uh, and we started doing it on Tuesday and, and uh, realized that that. that uh, uh, the comedy uh, is the exact opposite of groceries because groceries take about two years before they stink. Comedy does when it's completely fresh. <laughs> now this is right as it comes out of our mouth. Is, right. it, is it all new material, or are you just interjecting some new material? Oh no, it's all oh, new material. It's stuff that we've never done. It, it, it's stuff that we might have put in a notebook. We mm-hmm. might have worked on before. Uh, for me, it's it, it, it's jokes that I've written and stuck on Facebook. Uh, uh, some of it and, tweets. And, Tweets, yeah. Some of them are tweets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, we're going to turn this over to Mike now. I you can I didn't make this up. I didn't print all this stuff. I just Googled Jesse Ventura. Okay. And uh, it comes up as. Okay, well, uh, let's just say Jesse Ventura is, is, is the beginning of every one of these. Correct. Uh, and so it would be crazy, number one, a moron, number two, an idiot coming in at a number three. Uh, Illuminati. Illuminati. <laughs> I've never met an idiot Illuminati before. No. But, uh, who's also uh, five, a liar. And uh, is, Six is uh, Israel. Oh, what the Ven- Israel. Jesse, it says Jesse Ventura is real. Maybe he took Israel. a trip recently. But it says Israel. Oh, Israel. He's definitely Don't real. Yeah. Uh, his show real. And then, uh, oh yeah, down at the bottom, uh, uh, ending the list uh, is awesome. That's great. Down at the bottom. Wow. <laughs> is that unbelievable? Not one governor. Not one governor. Not a professional wrestler in the Navy bunch. Shield. Not, no. 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 Or governor. Even, not even with a bullet next to it. It doesn't. It doesn't mention. It. So you literally have never done the the the, the material before. Right. Yeah. Never, never done the material before. So, so who, uh, do you write all the material together? I mean, do you get together as a group? I mean, how, I mean, how do you? Um, we, we all did. We all started do, doing our sets on Tuesday, and then we got together Wednesday morning, and and, uh, uh, the, and then Wednesday night, and then uh, today's Thursday. Right? Yeah, we just met again today. We met right before here. And Take notes. Give each other tags, uh, suggestions. You know, we've we've yeah. actually workshopped some good good new tags for each of our bits. I think, yeah. And I think you need to talk about like why why would someone want to come down and see four comics do brand new material? And I think it's because there's a, a nervous energy on stage. So even if a joke <laughs> fizzles, there's a uh, there's a it's 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 a, not your typical comedy show. It's more like yeah. a high wire act. <laughs> and some of it some of them have been 
real stinkers, and and then some have been like like surprisingly awesome. And I think the enthusiasm from hitting a home run on a first run joke is so infectious, and it's just it's 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 not your typical comedy show. And I think the Acme crowd is sophisticated, and it's like it's like when they talk about football fans, like well the the Vikings are the most knowledgeable football fans. I think like the Acme oh, God. Acme <laughs> maybe no, they are. Bullshit, just, by the way, Google that, see what comes I, up. I, the Viking I, fans. Believe me, I love the Vikings, but not as far as uh, you know. Uh, yeah, I think I think a big selling point of the show, and it is it's uh, it's sold out tonight, uh, Thursday, it, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're on near sellouts. We're also sold out first show Saturday. So we just. Uh, uh, Oh, really? I, yeah, we just have a, a few seats left for the second show Saturday and uh, uh, fr- Friday night. So it's wow. uh, it, all the comics, all the comics in town are showing up. It, 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 if you're because they can't believe that anyone would be foolish enough to do this. I think the, the, I think the uh, draw there is Shaden fraud. Yeah. Wow, yeah. <laughs> it's, that, yeah. it's, that, it's that laugh. There's nothing a comic, the only thing a comic will ever laugh at is another comic bombing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we just talked, I just yeah. talked about that with Bert Kreischer. I just talked about the fact that, you know, I actually said in this generation, the comics can actually appreciate one another and compliment one another. Whereas back in the previous generation, is I'm very funny, you suck. That's yeah. how it was, right? Well, yeah. By the way, I'm really glad we gave you a mic for yeah. Christ's sake. Oh, yeah. Uh, We're just talking so. up a storm. <laughs> it's hard to hear behind the computer. <laughs> <laughs> Is the computer too noisy? Yeah. Especially with angry birds on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> Is it really too noisy? No. Okay, I just want to make sure that you were comfortable, you know, because I was good. She took her coat off and put it back on like four different times. I thought, this is not it's good. different temperatures. Yeah, because it was hot when you first got in here, and yeah. now Andy turned the air on, so it's... That's uh, just what I do when I'm bored. Just take off my sweater. Well, it's nice to know you're... you're, you're, you're Gotta put the sweater on. Gotta take the sweater off. She's also from Arizona, so she's not used to the well, weather yeah. today. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah, think... Yeah. Uh, to promote Crash and Burn, though, you probably should say, I only do that when I'm bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's nice. Promoting the show just... Uh, <laughs> we're talking about that shit again. Okay. We actually, uh, when we were sitting there t- last night, uh, we had a, a couple of guys come up who had watched the show and didn't actually. They they kind of knew what it was, but they weren't sure beforehand. And then when they saw the show, they said they kind of compared it to like a sneak behind the the curtain. You know, kind of like right. like, a, 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 like to a way to see comedy being done. You know, like like go, like going into the comedy workshop and and being able to watch the the little elves build the jokes. And mm-hmm. then you know, to, and, and normally. They don't get a chance to see that. They just see the polished material that's been done, you know, over and over again right. until it's right. And so, and, and a lot of people enjoy seeing that behind the scenes stuff nowadays. It really is interesting to me that that, that you all can do what you do as far as doing stand up is concerned, because to be honest, if if I have told the same joke as you said for a year and a half or two years, it'd be like, I, can I really? Okay, here's the, here's the punchline. <laughs> yeah. Here it is. Please check uh, page four of your handouts. Uh, that's the premise and setup. I mean, honestly, I, 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 was, I, was Eric, I was talking to Eric Burden about a month ago, a month and a half ago, Eric Burden, the lead singer of The Animals, and I said, House of the Rising Sun, and he goes, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? It's like 50 years I've been singing, but it's, it literally has been 50 years yeah. he's been singing House of the Rising Sun, almost, anyway. Yeah. And you know uh, he can't do any concert without doing House of the Rising yeah. Sun. Well, there's no way. Or Leonard yeah. Skinner. Like, I, I don't know how they... 
How do they do it without Freebird? Well, right? they have to do it with Freebird. They yeah. have Who to are you guys talking about? Who are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? She, she's one of our younger. Oh, no, she's she's, she's showing off. That's great. That's really good. Yeah, by, by the way, I want you to know that I, on, on, on Monday I entered rehab because I just, you know, I, I would drink a lot of wine to sleep and then got to be a daily thing. So it's like, ah, I can't be doing that shit right. So uh, I go into rehab. I'm the oldest guy in there by like well over 20 years. <laughs> And I said, this is your story. I said, uh, why is anybody else in here my age? They go, well, if you were a serious alcoholic, you'd be dead by now. <laughs> like, what? Good point. Shit. Or you so could say, really, really why are you here? You <laughs> yeah, you candy ass. You want to, I mean, go down and buy some vanilla extract and pour it in a glass of milk if you want to get drunk. I mean, come on. <laughs> but, but you do hear that. I mean, honestly, God, I, I, I don't know if you've ever had a relative or a, you went in a concerned person or if you're all booze hounds. You might be. I mean, I don't know. But, but you will hear some interesting stories. Honest to God. And you look at these people, it's like... Did you get that neurological thing from drinking too much? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's one of those hey, two. say twitchy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Are you born with that? One thing I will tell you, and this is a podcast, it's all audio, I understand, but I will do it for them because you get this a lot. So it, it comes to my turn. And, okay, my name is Tom. Yeah, so anyway, I. Um, what, every, they stare at the ceiling because they yeah. don't want to make eye contact yeah. with anybody. Yeah. It's yeah. bizarre. That might be a generational thing, too, because kids well, just stare well, at their phones. That's true. They're yeah. looking yeah. for their iPhone is so, what they're doing. What? So, uh, so, you're not, so you're not terribly anonymous at the meetings, are you? No. Nobody say nothing. You didn't see me here. Honestly, my God. name's Tom uh, Smith. Tom <laughs> Smith. He sounds familiar, doesn't he? Tom Sawyer. Is that voice? Where have I heard that voice? Oh, yeah, everywhere. But I talked about it on the air before I did it. I I actually, two weeks ago, I went on the air. See, you know what, I'm going to do this because it's like, you know, I didn't want to. Because if if you're doing Trazodone and and Xanax and wine to sleep, you're going to eventually destroy your liver. Which I didn't, thank God, my liver and kidneys, everything. Because I didn't do it long enough. I guess you have to be a, a journeyman. In order to like, yeah. ruin your life, or come or ruin your so life. Like- <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's many a poor liver even in this room right here. Yeah. So you weren't doing it right. I was, <laughs> doing right. Yeah. I was getting there. Uh, I was, was going to say they were they were trying to talk you out of being at rehab. Is what it sounded like. You don't. They're just well, like you don't need to be here. You're the, not. The insurance company wouldn't pay for it. Well, there's no proof that you're an alcoholic or anything. It's like well. Thanks. You should see where I pee. Are you crazy? <laughs> I could show you like nine different proofs right here in this building. Today I'm wearing sweatpants, so I kind of look homeless. <laughs> I mean, that's close enough, don't you think? Close enough, yeah. Did everybody introduce themselves? But I don't think everybody did. So I want to know. Oh, the audience needs to know who's talking. So, Andy, what are you, are you doing through the shirts over there? <laughs> He's going through my bag. You know, <laughs> my passport's in there. Don't, don't. If, uh, you, if you find any vanilla extract in there, don't tell anyone about it. And by the way, Tony Lee's here. But I met I met the kids outside. The kids, yeah, the kids. Thanks. I, we have, the I comedy kids. <laughs> At least two of us kids. appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike, start, and then we'll go around the table. I, but I we'll am, skip Tony. Oh yeah, just for that. I'm uh, uh, sitting just to the right of Tony. Uh, yes, you are. <laughs> and uh, my name is Mike Lucas uh, from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, yeah, uh, Willowick. We call it the Dub Dub. Willowick, what's up? So uh, I'm not in the gang. <laughs> I used to do a lot of uh, all the voiceover for Musicland. Oh, okay. Back in the day, and I can't remember which way it went, but I think they were trying to keep one audience or the other out of this certain area because I would go, available at all Musicland stores, except Euclid and Beachwood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Why was that? 
what are Euclid and Beachwood? Uh, Euclid is uh, it's a, it's, a, it's an area that's questionable. It's a place where I think if you're a yuppie, you would buy a, a, a place there. Oh, really? Um, and and hope that the uh, bad neighborhood is going uh, west. Oh, so they don't want their customers to go into Euclid because they might get killed or something? Yeah, I, I, I'm imagining. <laughs> we, we, nice. we call it P Euclid, um, but, uh, <laughs> but but we're, we're literally like one road away from it. So you know we you know they, they need to know our disdain so that they know not to cross Lloyd Road. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, Lloyd so, Road. Ex- that's yeah, the that's I the remember. motor line. Bob Seger now available at Musicland, except Euclid and Beachwood. <laughs> so, and Beachwood, I don't know. Beachwood is a wonderful place. I don't know why. Well, they I think they have might have been keeping the other people out of there, like the poor people. Don't go to Beachwood. Yeah, please don't come to our city. You want those Bob Seeger people? <laughs> hey, what stinks? There's a sale at this music place. Oh, what is it? did they say not Beachwood? I'll tell. After everybody introduces themselves, I'll tell you a quick story about New Canaan, Connecticut. After that, it's only a ten-second story. So Tony Lee from Israel. How are you? No, it's Israel. Israel. <laughs> Tony Lee. Yes, I am. Tony Lee is real. That's exactly right. Good friend of Jesse Ventura. <laughs> and now the mic master. Oh yeah, uh, I'm I'm Emily Galati. I'm from Chicago. I love Chicago too. Another yeah, great com- another great comedy town. Sure. I sure. love Chicago. Yeah. Except you had a lot of shootings, I've noticed. A lot of shootings. Yeah. I have jokes about it. Come okay. to Crash and Emily. Yeah. <laughs> Emily's gonna tell jokes about dead people. Yeah. It's hilarious all around. Too yeah. soon. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. Kind of like I really too, that, too, it, yeah. <laughs> that your line is I'm gonna do it because it's a great line. Is that yours right? Where that you're doing is that the the, the only good neighbor or the best neighborhood of Chicago is Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, that's not true. No, I mean, come on. <laughs> Although they got the goat head again yesterday. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. What? No. Uh, Wrigley Field. The owner is Tom uh, Ricketts. 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 Tom Ricketts. Yeah. Everyone here knows more about Chicago than me. So. <laughs> Chicago. Say it right. Chicago. <laughs> Sorry. Chicago. Yeah, no. I love that. She, she's from Arizona. She's from the far south oh, suburbs. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> the far <laughs> south suburbs. <laughs> Southwest suburbs all, of Chicago. <laughs> Quick drive in. <laughs> uh, a guy walked up to a security guard with a box, gave the security guard the box, and there was a goat head in the box because it's 1945. It was a guy from Billy Goats. Curse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the curse. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, well, they, well, actually, I think it was what it is, is there's talk of moving uh, the Cubs out to Rosemont. What? Yeah. No. Oh no no yeah. no no! That's a bad idea. Uh, well, I think I think so too. Oh. I mean, Wrigley, Wrigley they, 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 they Field is a winning team. Wrigley Field is the only reason <laughs> to go see the Cubs. Yeah, yeah well, that's the absolute true. Yeah. Only, but, oh yeah, but they're using. They want they want the city to buy the stadium from them because it's you know because they have a disadvantage because they have to maintain their own stadium which right. doesn't occur right anywhere else. So anywhere else. I think they they say well we we're, we're gonna the Rosemont wants us so we might oh, move the God, Cubs and I think that's can't. I think that's what the Goathead was that was the Chicago. Okay. Okay. You don't move the cubs. See, <laughs> they they left that out of the story. Yeah, you like your goat. This is what could happen to your goat if you move. The <laughs> <laughs> That's a very nice goat you have. There. Yeah. I would hate anything to happen to it. Let's dispel them. There's never been any organized crime in Chicago. No, it's never no. ever. It doesn't exist. No, uh, it doesn't exist. I at used all. to work for the Cubs for two years. You did? Yeah, it was my college job. I worked in the bleachers at Wrigley. What'd you do? And I was a security guard, and I used to stand against the wall. You know, in the bleachers, they have the stairs that go down yeah, between yeah, the aisles. Yeah. I'd stand at the bottom of it, and I'd look up, and I'd watch for people doing illegal things, which is basically people being Cubs fans. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I mean, and I've thought about writing a book. Like, I, um, you know, 
like, I might be too lazy to write a book, but I could write a book about my two summers in, in Wrigley. And I, I felt like I just had this thought the other day that it helped for my career in comedy because people used to just throw stuff at me and oh. call me names. <laughs> like, I can't even watch Ray. the game, you guys. Give me a break. All <laughs> kinds of slurs and whatever, make fun of my nose. And they <laughs> What's wrong with your nose? And they would like... they would, sounds like a Chicago fan. I mean, <laughs> hey, nose guy. You ever get a cheese fry coming in from like 30 rows back with hard cheese? It's like a yeah. poison tip dart, you know? And, like, and I would sit up there and just take abuse and and the you know uh, and this is right when cell phones came out so all the board of exchange or the the stock exchange guys and the board of trade guys the rich you know uh, money managers had hot, these phones you know and this was a, a conversation i heard a million times yeah we're at Wrigley eh? <laughs> <laughs> tell the guys i'm not coming back to the office today tell them we're at Wrigley right ah, you know, like, can you see? <laughs> yeah. watch this i got a cheese fry yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, hitting big nose. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice, Mike. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. Tim over here trying to, Tim Harms just trying to be a, tell a good story and you attack him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, <laughs> oh, this is the story of my life. The, 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 the my guy life. from northern Wisconsin should not be in the bleachers at Wrigley Field. <laughs> I was like, the most timid guy. I would, so, you're from northern Wisconsin. Yeah. Your wife's from northern Minnesota, isn't she? Northern Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. she's from oh, yeah. northern Wisconsin, too. Yeah. Well, I thought it was Minnesota for No, it was she, I grew up in Menominee. Which yeah, is, there's a rule against Packers fans interbreeding. So. Yeah. Wow. 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 <laughs> yeah. Stick together. Yeah. There's wow. so much of that over that shit. Is it, you it's, don't get that in Chicago. In Chicago, you're in Chicago. But here, it's like yeah. half Minnesota fans and half Packer fans. Like, oh, so. Yeah, and people need to let go on that They stuff. really do. It's like, come right. on. Yeah, well, like, they really do. Especially when Favre came here, it's like just relax. It's let football. it go. It's a game. But yeah, she's uh, she's from northern. She's from way northern Wisconsin. Webster. Right. Was she from Webster? Yeah, oh, okay. and I'm from uh, I'm from uh, Menominee, Menominee, which isn't you know, which is northwestern. <laughs> I swear, every time I drive through that town, I have to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's got to be. You, the you don't joke think I've heard Menominee. that before? Menominee. Oh, yeah. You've heard that a million times. A million times. But if Menominee ever wins the Olympic yeah. gold, they'll have to play that. So. <laughs> <laughs> No, hey, whatever so. works. I thought that same thing when the movie Phenomenon came <laughs> yeah, out. Phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> Where was it shot? In Menominee. Yeah. So Menominee is like, is it just east of Eau Claire? Or? Yeah, it's just west of Eau Claire. Oh, it's just yeah, west on, of Eau Claire. On 94. Okay. So if right you drove to you know, Chicago, you would go through Menominee or on 94. So. I had a friend that played for the Blue Gold. Oh, yeah. Ah, the yeah. W, the, the uh, UW Eau Claire Blue Gold. UW Eau Claire Blue Gold. Yep. See, you used to go watch them play, the whole shooting match. Yep. They, and they also had sold uh, alcohol on Sunday. But anyway. Back to rehab. Speaking of that, go ahead. I'm going to take my supplements. Okay. <laughs> my turn? I'm, uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm Tim Slegel. I, uh, <laughs> it's my turn. <laughs> yeah, I, I, grew up, I grew up south of Detroit and uh, uh, moved to Chicago about eight, 1986. Good. To become a star, I was two. <laughs> yeah, I, I was two. <laughs> so you're, you're you're actually two years older than Andy. Andy was born in 1986. <laughs> I was a junior in college. Uh, 1986 really? was when the KQ Morning Show started. That's right. Jesus. Really? Wow. Yeah. Right. You remember a world with two Germanys, you guys. 
I believe I was alive when the USSR was still uh, uh, compact. Yeah, well, exactly. It's all true. So I didn't. I did not realize that you were original. No, I did. I did know that you were originally from Detroit. But so you moved to Chicago when? 1986. It, uh, it, at the time, it's, so you were uh, two years old. No, wait. That was yeah, only. yeah, it's two years old. <laughs> and at the time, it was just it was comedy was just exploding in Chicago. It was oh, just yeah. amazing. There was there was uh, there was like we sat down and counted them one time, and I'm not sure the actual number. Somewhere between 30 and 50 full time rooms within a two hour drive of Chicago. I, I had realized that I was eating most of my meals off the passenger seat of the car, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I realized that humans don't thrill. humans don't live like that. So I moved to Chicago to be a little more human. Yeah, we had a wonderful moment actually when. Uh, when everybody walked into the podcast booth because I saw Tim Slagle and I said, hey, how you doing? And he looked at me like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> to God he did. How dare you know my name? But I haven't seen you probably, I bet you haven't seen you personally in about 20 years. Yeah. You, I used to, I would see you except at for, Except for the podcast we did in October. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was my house. Yeah, that was at my house. Yeah, yeah that was uh, that was incredible. That's that was why when I, when I said, "Hey, how you doing?" and you went, "Who the fuck are you?" Kind of, I, thought, well, I just saw you like six months ago. <laughs> no, I thought I thought you were I thought you were looking at Emily when you said that. No, nah, I don't, I don't <laughs> I thought, talk I to young women. Talk it's to not it's not good, you know. Yeah, that's one of the things I just tell the guy, "There's a really young woman in here." Emily, look. Sorry, is it no? It's not your house. It was on the peninsula, and as and I mentioned to the guy who drove me out there they said wow this would be a perfect house for the zombie apocalypse <laughs> i remember that yes. <laughs> and he goes he goes no they can walk on the bottom of the lake <laughs> oh he, he, he argued with the boys no, yeah. all right really yeah. you'd never think that that would yes. turn into an argument yeah. 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 see logistically why that yeah, won't work it's not going to work <laughs> you know big j okerson oh yeah you work with big j great yeah. guy great guy does great standing he was he was one of the guys who did a treatment on the blind white supremacist for for dave Chappelle. he was oh, one of the right. writers on that deal yeah <laughs> he walked into my house because you know we did it from my house for what four or five months, months. yeah four or five months Absolutely. And he walks in the house he goes who are you tony montana <laughs> he's a drug dealer he's like what what you talking about i just watched a, a uh, documentary on that movie on on scarface pretty on the making of on the making of oh. it's phenomenal if you get you see that? That it was on like showtime i think oh it was really good i'd like to see that you should see it yeah. so two tims in a row yeah tim harmston here uh as um I'm from Menominee, Wisconsin. Did it, Mike? <laughs> See, I didn't even do it that time. I didn't even do it that time. My water came on my nose. No, and then I, uh, I, I uh, lived. In, I went to college in Chicago. Stayed there for 15 years. All right, enough Chicago. And then uh, moved back to uh, moved back to Menominee. Started <laughs> don't do it. No, I don't do it. And then, uh, Western Wisconsin. Yeah, Western Wisconsin. <laughs> and then I started to do comedy at Acme in about 2002. And I was then, in uh, high school. Just yeah. Uh, <laughs> Emily, Emily That's how we high keep track of how old we are. Yeah. Just, Emily just tells us what she was doing while we were doing mature things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, actually, Emily, I, I uh, grew up in the inner city, so at my age in the inner city, I could actually be your grandfather. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like in the suburbs, I'd only be your dad. <laughs> that's a whole different deal. Okay, so we all understand that Emily's much younger than anyone else in yep. here. Yeah, so just 
realize if you come to the shows, they've been doing it way longer than me. So yeah. my crash and burns a little harder. Than <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get involved? Uh, I begged. You, I, be- I begged. you begged Tim Slagle? Yeah, I begged. Uh, I was here in December, and I just kept begging, and then... <laughs> <laughs> you know, when kids, when, when kids ask for something all please, long enough. Please, 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 please. All right, you get the show. Yeah. <laughs> Andy looks like a, like he's in the schmata business over there. Old Jew. Schmata just means rags. And yeah, like that puzzled look. <laughs> he, he looks at me with schmata. You what take the garment and you treat it with respect. Exactly. <laughs> That's the schmata right there. Does it does it feel kind of like open stage for you guys again doing this, the Crash and Burn format? Yeah, and, and in a good way. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's because, you know, we, cause we've been doing it so, at least I have, I've been doing it so long that uh, I, I, I'm kind of bitter about, you know, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's not no, a yeah, really? The, the magic that originally attracted me to stand up is, is, is not always there anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and the really neat thing is that that, that uh, after the first show, it was like, oh my gosh, it's like it's like doing comedy when comedy was fun. When you, you know, when you were an amateur in the true sense of the word, where you're just being done for the love. And uh, yeah, yeah. And it, is it not as much fun anymore? Really? Is anything? Well, just, in my opinion, in my opinion, and I brought this up before, stand-up comedy, live comedy, is the last really true forum. Yeah. You can tell pure. the truth. It's yeah. pure truth. Yeah. So I would think that'd be a lot of fun, but you're just kind of a goddamn curmudgeon. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you could be working at Office Max and you'd still be Same material. Oh, no, no, no. If I, if, my li- if I live my life surrounded by rubber bands and paper clips. <laughs> oh, God. Someone was going to lose an eye. <laughs> Unless you could do it with Gary Cole. Who would go, hmm, yeah. That would be fun. He is a hell of a man. That's all I know. So so you have been doing this how long, Tim? Cycle. Uh, let's see. Let me let me let me do the math cuz I think the first time on stage would have been 34 years ago. We'll be 34 really? years ago. Emily? This year. Emily? Wow. Jesus. Emily? <laughs> not, a, not even a glint in your father's eye. Yep, yep. Not even, not even think my parents were married. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my father wasn't born yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, March, March 31st, uh, 2007 was my first open wow, mic. Is it March a... 30 days of September, April, June? Last day of March. So, six years. Just hit six years. She's six like, 30 years. days, September, April, and then yeah. 30 uh, days. So, yeah. did you go to college? I did. So, total waste. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. College was... I went to grad school, so it's even... Wow. So, you did stand-up while you were in grad school? I did uh, minimal stand-up. I did... I was. Uh, I moved to Chicago to do improv, and then uh, was I thought it? you were from Chicago. A- a- actually, I, born in Phoenix. The hell's the matter Chicago. with you? I hate <laughs> to interrupt, but this is actually funny. I know what she studied. I know what she studied in college. Oh, okay. She she she's. She studied history, but the period of history she chose to study was the period when I was doing stand-up comedy. Cold War. <laughs> Cold War. <laughs> Twenty-four hours of testimony. These clips are most definitely guilty of being the best of the Tom Bernard podcast. Brought to you as always by Bradshaw and Bryant. Great clips this week from Chris DiStefano, Sergio Chicon, Betty Maxwell, Emily Galati, Tim Harmston, Mike Lucas, and Tim Slagle. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will 
see you next week. Ooh.